0: Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Friday, the thirteenth of May, twenty twenty-two, with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode three ninety. I hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. I hope you're all rodent-free too. More of which uh, later. Very lazy run this evening, uh, two and a half k short of the usual lazy six k. Won't be getting back to 20k in a hurry. I I can't see that happening for a long time. I'm just not enjoying it. Just don't enjoy it. You know, I try to switch off when I'm on that run, try to think of things that help me to forget how difficult some of those climbs are. And I I just, uh, I think mentally, when it comes to visual exercises, I just find it very difficult to to get those working for me. And of course, uh, today my aunt has confirmed that I am taking her underwear shopping uh, next week to uh, Primark, the Tooting Broadway branch. So that was uppermost on my mind, and that's not going to help me get to the bog-standard 6K if I'm struggling. That is not motivation. I've got loads of notes here. They're all over the place, really. You know, when I do lots of shows in a week, it's usually because things aren't great or I'm feeling a bit uh, manic, and that is the case this week. There's a lot uh, going on, so it's going to be a bit of a disordered show. But you know what? It's uh, free, and you heard right. It's episode 390. There have been two patron-exclusive episodes that have gone out, episodes 388 and episodes uh, episode Eva. Let me try that again, episodes 388. And episode 389, no editing here, lock and load, hard swallow, Uh, 1906 hours, there's your first timestamp today. Those episodes have uh, gone out to the uh, ever-dwindling number of Patreon subscribers. And where am I? Yeah, so I've had the lazy run. I'm wearing slippers for the first time in uh, over... It's actually over 400 shows that I've done of Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available because in the early days when I did Patreon bonuses, I didn't actually give them show numbers. It's only much later that I started doing that. So I think it's uh, really... I've probably done about 420 or so episodes of this particular show, but we'll stick with the official number. This is 390... First one I've ever done in slippers. I bought the slippers only, as I think I mentioned, at the start of the week because I'd broken, you know, I'd fractured the foot, was going to have surgery, and uh, I thought I might need some slippers indoors. I I don't know why. I can't even think why I felt I needed slippers considering that I wouldn't have been able to put a a slipper on the uh, healing foot. So I never used the slippers, but I'm using them now as the rodent problem. Escalates. I don't know. I feel I feel safer with the slippers. I actually wish that I could uh, hover. That would be advantageous if I could hover. The other day I was talking about that run when I managed to uh, vault over this uh, uh, bit of dog muck that I saw too late, and I, I vaulted. I wish I could do that. And I was talking about how maybe if I was. Um, Heart Swallow 1907, if that might have been on one of the Patreon episodes. You know, I was talking about uh, dinosaurs and how some of them evolved into birds. They, some of the dinosaurs had feathers anyway, so it was inevitable it was always going to happen. But one of the theories that I really like, it might be my favourite evolutionary theory, is that... They learnt to jump to escape predators, and uh, at some point they would have evolved, they would have grown an extra bit of membrane that would have allowed them, while they were vaulting over the predator, to maybe hover in the air a bit longer. And then at some point they would have started flapping their arms, and then at some point they would have developed wings. I don't know how quickly that could happen, because I remember uh, my history teacher at school, my older year master, who, uh, a lantern-jawed yearmaster, who I did an impression of in the first ever podcast I I did thirteen years ago. He was a lantern-jawed and his words used to get stuck inside the uh, chambers of his mouth. He was northerner. He was a northerner, too, from uh, Rochdale. He was northerner. He was from uh, Rochdale. It looked like Brian Robson, but a lantern-jawed version of Brian Robson and uh, with uh, horrendous curly hair. I mean, I, I'm not. it's not to say that curly hair is horrendous. It's just for him it was horrendous and it was a mullet. He, If you'd have put white makeup on him, he'd have been a dead ringer for the Joker. That's the kind of chin he had and uh, yeah this is it before I forget he told us one day in history and I remember this because I'm very anal and I've got a fantastic long-term memory though my short-term memory is dreadful he told us that he didn't believe that humans had stopped evolving that we were still changing physically and if you look at that 20 actually uh, 20 i wish it was 20 two generations on you can see there's something in that these kids are so much wider it's not that they're taller you expect them to be taller you expect each generation to be taller you know with the nutritional uh nutritional even advantages it's the fact that a lot of them are so broad you know that's the obesity crisis in the in this country you know which was always there you know it's not to um have a pop at these uh, younger kids, because, you know, when you're a kid, you'll do anything to have a portion of chips. I was no different. Remember, uh, my fat years were from 84 to 89. Uh, sometimes I would have chips twice in a day. I'm not joking. And my mum would know about that. How did I get on to that? Yeah, so imagine um, what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to link the two things. So in the space of two generations, I think it's clear that you can see that Humans have changed. They're bigger, they're wider, they're taller. So imagine if dinosaurs could have evolved into birds within just two generations. I'm sure the process was a lot longer, but if I'd been a dinosaur, I'd have been a bit frustrated if I'd mainly only got as far as the hovering. You know, I'd like to have lived long enough uh, for, for the flapping. I'd like to have been at the forefront of the early flapping, and now I can feel my throat go in, and I've got no drink next to me because even though I've been you know I've done over a thousand shows in all I'm still very unprofessional in certain respects I'm trying to eat the right things so I've been reading uh, reading up about nutrition and uh bought some fish you know i don't really like fish particularly if it's fish that tastes like fish that really isn't my thing and that's what i've had this evening some mackerel i'm gonna have to pause this because i can feel my throat getting tickly back in a moment that might not be the last uh, pause so i had the mackerel didn't need to be heated so it was very dubious cold fish is maybe about the only thing that's worse than warm fish for me but you know saved on the energy build uh Obviously, uh, the oven door is broken, new oven doesn't arrive until next week. So it kind of worked out okay. Said, watch out for the fish bones. So I put my glasses on. There weren't that many bones. It was okay, but it tastes a bit fishy. But I'm trying to get, uh, trying to tap into some of that Amiga 3. Bought some omega three vitamins. I'm actually quite good for uh, vitamins, and I eat loads of fruit. But you know, my reading tells me that I may not be eating the right fruit. You know, blackberries apparently are the go to fruit. They're also a bit pricier than blueberries, so I maybe need to get another patron subscriber at least off the back of episode 390. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm trying to eat. Uh, I don't think I eat badly. I think I've maybe I've, I've been skipping a few meals since I started gigging again. You know, come back late. I don't like to eat a big meal before a show. And then sometimes I've, it's not that I've been eating a meal when I uh, come in, but I head for the granola and the yogurt. One or two cases, uh, one or two nights, the porridge. And, you know, I've had a real craving for porridge. Of course, I didn't start having porridge until 2013, the day after I got my uh, uh, late in life uh, orthodontic brace. What a night that was. I was living in Peckham for three months I was days away from moving. I was living in Peckham. I'd never met a single neighbour. And then the evening, the very same evening that I got my brace and my, you know, my lips were looking very Mick Jagger that night. And the front door, which had been blown up for a while, had suddenly stopped working. And all the neighbours who weren't in the building were stuck outside, unable to get inside the building. We were all having to talk with each other. I was days away from being a... You know, being able to adapt to talking with the uh, the brace, and that was uh, just one of many humiliations I've had to suffer in my life. So a uh, lazy run today, anyway, and it's done. But you know, Monday I'll I'll have to force myself to do the full six k. Trying to do a bit more, six and a half k, I think it was on Wednesday. I just I just wish I could enjoy it a bit more. I wish I could go swimming again. I think they've upped the prices in uh, in Brixton, plus their changing rooms were always a bit uh, messy. There's the new swimming pool in Vauxhall, which apparently it's a New York thing where you don't actually have a deep end, which is pointless. There should be an element of jeopardy, I think, in a swimming pool. You know, I want to know that I'm in the deep end. I want to show that water some respect when I'm swimming into the deep end. I'm a, I'm a strong swimmer. I'm not a fast swimmer. I was always getting overtaken, Uh, you know, in the early mornings when I was uh, swimming in Brixton, like uh, three mornings a week, I'd be getting up at 5.30 just to get to that pool to get my lane. I remember there was a guy there who'd always save the lane for this girl who was, um, she was quite a chunky girl and I thought I'd be faster than her in the water based on her size she was one of the fastest swimmers I've ever come across. If I started in the lane before her, before her, she would just hunt me down. She would absolutely hunt me down. The guy, the old man who would always save her lane. But this guy, this very old guy, he must have been in his 70s by then or just a very old-looking 60-something guy who'd uh, drunk maybe a bit too much in his life. Looked very wizened, wizened, urinal, urinal. He'd always save the lane for her, knowing full well that I was in the pool before her. And I always thought, well, what are you doing this for? What Do you, do you think something's going to happen between you two? You're, you're like 50 years old. If something's going to happen between you two, you need to be probably a celebrity. What are you doing this for? I'm in the water. I'm in this lane first. Get out the way. Let me swim. It was very, uh, very frustrating. Anyway, the swimming's not going to be happening any time uh, anytime soon. Friday the 13th, that worked out badly for me. Came back from a gig, more of which uh, later. That's rapidly becoming my new catchphrase, more of which uh, later. Three minutes past midnight, Friday the 13th, I'm coming back from the uh, bathroom. I've brushed my teeth, I've washed my face. I've had a gig that uh, I wasn't too happy with, nothing to do with me really, just just another of those venues that I uh, just thought, I, I really can't do these kind of gigs, it's, they're pointless. I'm not learning anything. So I'm walking back into the front room, and I see a shadow dart across the front room floor. Another mouse, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, great, another Friday the thirteenth to go along with the uh, Friday the thirteenth, January '84, when I was confronted in Clapham on uh, in Clapham Common, going into the Wimpy with another kid from my class. I'd gone to his house after school. He changed into casual wear. I was still in my school uniform in Henry Thornton territory, fearsome school. It's now part, I think it's now Lambeth College. And uh, Henry Thornton, that's where Jimmy Hill went. He's one of them, probably the most famous ex-pupil they have a vicious school and I was lucky to, to sort of come out of that relatively unscathed that night but that always stayed with me that was my first bad experience of Friday the 13th Friday the 13th April 1990 I smashed a mirror at work my woolly Saturday job but I was working on the Friday because it was Easter and uh, I don't think I needed to do anything else uh, to accentuate the bad luck that was running through the family if I was to be very superstitious But uh, that was on my mind, and I'm trying to think of other Friday the 13th. But anyway, look, I'm, uh, you know, my parents were Spanish. Spain, Friday the 13th is not a thing. It's Tuesday the 13th. So I started thinking, well, should you know, should I be worried about this? You know, should I be paranoid about Friday the 13th? And I'll tell you, I am... I think, well, it kind of triggered my OCDs because I was trying to think, okay, so what is it for me? What's the problem? Is it Friday the 13th or Tuesday the 13th? I've realised it's probably Friday the 13th. I don't think I've ever done a gig on Friday the 13th, and that's been deliberate in this run. You know, I'm coming up to 50 gigs now. I don't think I've ever done a Friday the 13th gig. I just don't want to tempt fate. And when I saw this mouse three minutes past midnight, early hours of uh, today... Well, the early minutes, I thought this is... I did that thing again where I just froze on the spot. It was like almost being run over by a car. The speed, there was no mistake in the shadow. It darted... It must have darted under the fridge, the freezer, or the built-in biggest cupboard in the kitchen. So I've had to fire off a bunch of emails today. Housing management aren't really doing anything. I've had to seal stuff off in the communal hallway. You know, that, that whole pencil rule. If you can get a pencil into a gap, then a mouse can get in there. The gap's outside the flat downstairs, which is one of the fancier flats, probably the fanciest flat in the building i mean there that the gap outside his flat i'm gonna have to tell him when i see him it's massive but of course people don't really they don't really care too much unless it starts to affect them what's happening at the moment they're coming back into my flat because the neighbor across the landing who i've been working with uh, in a kind of joined up approach to try and sort this out he's starting to block off some holes he's got cameras set up so he's starting to identify where they're coming from He's starting to block off holes, which means they're coming back into my flat. Neither of us are leaving food out. He's actually going down the poison trail. I don't really want to do that off my own back. I've got pest control doing one last visit next week. I'm trying to get them to do more visits. That's going to not be straightforward, as nothing is in this particular building. And uh, today I was blocking off at the last of the wire wall that I have. Uh, I blocked off about three holes with difficulty... On the top floor landing, I'll have to leave a note for the cleaners, uh, the communal hallway cleaners who come because if they see any of that wire wool sticking out, and it is slightly messy, but that was left deliberately like that to discourage the mice from even venturing anywhere near those uh, gaps. They might try to pull the wire wool out. The housing management team haven't responded to any of the emails I've sent this week. I'll have to chase them up with a phone call on Monday. All this stuff is just very, very stressful. I don't think at any other point in my life I'd have been able to deal with this. You know, uh, you know, I've said before, uh, two thousand and three rodent an issue when I lived. I don't know why I moved to Crouch End. It was an awful experience. I think because I was working on a film at the time, and uh, the director lived around there, and uh, we, you know, we used to spend a lot of time together. But it just took me too far away from what I know. I wouldn't mind living in North London, but not Northeast London. I don't really like Northeast London, and. Uh, that ended up in a small claims court and let's just say that uh, my evidence probably had it gone all the way in that uh, small claims court when we were in there i say we because i dragged two friends along for moral support i don't think my story would have stood up but uh, there were mice but i kind of i dressed up the story uh, basically and uh, i was lucky maybe to get away with that but you know I as soon as I actually saw the mouse that Saturday night I was out of there and I, I never spent another night in that place I remember seeing that mouse on the Saturday night and being struck by how much it actually looked like Jerry from Tom and Jerry it really looked like a cartoon mouse with the big ears and it was actually a brown mouse but that was it within 30 minutes I was uh, I was gone so anyway I don't really want to be moving stuff around in the kitchen I've been clearing stuff off the floors you know I am a hoarder but also you know I'm selling lots of books to try and pay off bills. So I've got books on the floor, all in piles that are you know, up on eBay. And then I've got books in another part of the front room that haven't been listed yet because it takes forever to to work out a book's value and how much the postage is going to cost and what you should be asking for it. So that's uh, that's not... Those books are going to stay where they are at the minute. And also, you know, I had to buy more traps today. I'm going to have to rotate those traps. I've been doing it today, try and see, okay, not keep them in the same place. So, you know, I saw the mouse running through the front room into the kitchen. You know, I was at least open, even though there were signs of mouse activity in the kitchen. Historically, that's where it's happened, even before my time here. But, you know, where I've encountered them has been in the back of the flat. I wasn't happy to, to have the activity in any part of the flat. But if I had to choose a, a a part of the flat where the activity was going on, it was going to be the back of the flat. I wanted the front room and the bedroom for myself, at least the bedroom, you know. I think I would have more respect for the, for, for the rodents as an opponent if they said to me, look, we're going to leave the bedroom alone. You know, you can have that for yourself. You know, if they, if if we could come to that agreement, I'd value them more as an opponent. Last night, I mean, I was surprised. I am surprised that I'm dealing with this because you know, if you listen to the show, you know I'm not an animal guy. So rodents and uh, birds is just a complete phobia. I wouldn't say mice is a phobia. Mice is just I don't like animals, so I'm never going to like a rodent, am I? But I blocked off the gap under the bedroom door with pillows. But, you know, that wasn't going to do anything. But I just felt I needed to do something. But it was just, you know, being a very bad sleeper. I'm someone who can be up all night moving around. Uh, but last night I just stayed in the flat, woke up in the morning, just feeling really uh, disappointed with the uh, situation. This is new territory for me, you know. I've, I've experienced a lot in life, as as you would have done when you live us. You know, when you, when you live most of your life you know I've been sacked twice in a day the second time of course if you remember because I was sacked originally wearing white uh, chinos and I was wearing a white shirt that day They're the antidepressants this was 2002 they'd really kicked in it was the early uh, generation of pills and I was just absolutely hyper and happy and I, you know, I'm not a guy who can handle being happy I shouldn't I'm not the kind of guy you want to be happy because I'm probably going to be very annoying and uh, as I was being sacked as I was leaving, I was, as, as, let me get my words out, as I was being escorted from the building in my, well, I looked like I was a part of a bowling team in my white shirt and my white chinos, uh, clutching the TV, the big TV that uh, I'd brought into work that day uh, just to watch the England Argentina game. This was the 2002 World Cup. I then got sacked again by the catering manager who, seeing me uh, dressed all in white, wasn't too impressed to, to see one of uh, what he thought was part of his team, uh, walking around with a TV when he should have been working and he sacked me on the spot. So, you know, this, but, but this is new territory for me. So I've been sacked twice in a day, uh, once from a job that I wasn't even working in, but I've never had to deal with a rodent problem as prolonged as this. And it's, you know, it's it's, it's kind of, it's just annoying because it makes you think, well, is this is this flat dirty? It's not. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a kind of writer's flat. It can be uh, messy, but it's not dirty. I don't keep food out. I never have. The bins go out every day. So this is not a, a good situation. But I'm stuck in here, and I can't work out whether it's the fact that uh, I'm still on a, a dosage of uh, medication that that's keeping me relatively calm, or it's just the fact that I know I've got no alternative. But to stick this out, I can't go down the 2003 uh, Rude. I'm stuck with this situation but it's just that whole moment of being startled I remember Joff uh, telling me this a couple of weeks ago um, he was talking about uh, because you know he's he, he's unlike me he's uh, very uh, big on animals and interestingly I actually told him about my bird phobia because I think Joff is uh, very into birds and I hope he doesn't mind me saying that he uh, his late dad uh, passed on his love of birds to Joff, whereas my late dad didn't pass off uh, pass on his uh, love of birds to me, which really did irk my dad. I mean, I was just completely frightened, and it was a, a neighbour's dad, our first landlord. He took us to Trafalgar Square one day. I was about eight years old. A pigeon landed on my head, and I was so frightened. And I remember, I don't remember if, it, if I actually heard this firsthand that day, or if I was just told the story later on, but uh our friend had said to my dad, your son's got a problem with birds, and it just it just went on from there. But uh yeah, Joff was saying, look, that even he who doesn't have a problem with mice if one suddenly runs out the sofa he's going to be startled it's that moment you get startled i remember this is going back to 2003 again very 2003 flavored show today i was knocking about with uh, three girls at the time i went to live with them after the rodent issue in a house in battersea which if you believe in hauntings that was the haunted house i've talked about that before and uh, I slept in that particular room that was said to be haunted one night. That was enough for me. I've told that story uh, many a time and it's actually a part of, it's Clapham Common North Side. but that North Side part of it is recognised as, uh, I think, the start of Battersea and it's a notoriously haunted area. Uh, historically, lots of hauntings in that area. But anyway, one of the girls, the cousin who didn't live there, was me and the two sisters and the mum and the dog that... Couldn't go out, so would just soil itself around the place. And I, it's incredible how quickly I got used to living like that. The girl, the cousin, a very attractive uh, woman, who the space daddy had gone to school with, and absolutely fancied. I think he said it was uh, John Taylor of Duran Duran. Had uh, you know, she was obsessed with him as a as a kid, and just it meant she showed no interest in the space daddy. She was a black belt martial artist. And she'd had a long-term relationship with her, whatever it was, sensei. I don't know what the term is for these guys. The teacher, basically. The teacher who uh, taught her all the martial arts she knew. And she was, uh, you know, very advanced. She uh, She was seriously cut and could do some serious damage. And she was going out... ...with a new guy and, you know, her relationship with the old guy had obviously ended and then one night she was walking home with her new boyfriend and suddenly the uh, the martial arts teacher leapt out and started attacking the new guy who didn't know martial arts and he was defended, you know, by uh, my friend who had the martial arts, she had to fight her old uh, boyfriend, who so was a very high-level fighter. You know, the, the the bemused new boyfriend. It was like he was watching a live version of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And my point is that I remember her telling me afterwards that even someone like her, who was a black belt, who knew she could defend herself, who wasn't afraid of having to fight someone, she always said, though, if you are attacked when you're not expecting it you're going to be startled so you've got to learn how to deal with being startled there's that moment where you have to you have to get in front of that adrenaline you have to cope with that moment of being startled and what she told me that night i apply it to this situation because i've got the uh, i've got the traps they're going to snap at some point i may be in the flat i may have to deal with that moment May have to get in, you know, get in front of my nerves, because you know I don't want to live like this. I've got the humane mousetraps, which uh, aren't really doing much. The bait stations—I don't want to deal with those. I'll leave that to uh, the pest control guy. But yeah, I'm, I just remember what she said about being startled, trying to cope with that element of surprise, and that's the situation I'm in right now. And that's what I'm finding very. Uh, difficult about this is that I can't quite uh, relax and you know when you're seven days away from having to take your aunt underwear shopping that's not really uh, that's not really uh, gonna help uh, things on my mind I'll tell you about a weird dream that I had another one Um, I've forgotten a lot of it but the gist of it was that I witnessed a weird stadium collapse it was Arsenal And so many of their fans were just falling to their deaths. Where did that come from? It was so graphic. I was watching from a distance. I'm not sure if I was in the stadium, if I was watching it on a TV. But it was Arsenal fans for some reason. It was Arsenal fans. And they were falling. Maybe that was a premonition in advance of the uh, spanking they got in the North London derby last night. That was a bad one, a 3-0 defeat to Tottenham. The FA Cup final tomorrow. I'm going to watch it at my friend Marcus's house that game should be the last game of the season, and I might have said that on the one of the Patreon episodes this week. So, uh, and also, I, I just wanted Liverpool to win the title. I would have, you know, I would have given up the Champions League and uh, the FA Cup final just for them to win the title and get even with uh, United, who of course uh, have been the bane of my life as a as a Liverpool fan, going right back to my earliest memories of being a, a Liverpool fan long, long ago. So that was the dream. Uh, Thoughts, couple of thoughts. I've got a single leather glove, a pair of brilliant leather gloves. I've never really been one for leather gloves, but I saw a real difference between uh, the woolly gloves and the leather gloves. And uh, I lost the leather glove maybe about 18 months ago. For some reason, I've hung on to the one remaining leather glove. It's like, what am I going to do with that single glove? Why haven't I thrown it and just maybe invested in a new pair of leather gloves? It's Still there, why is it there? Is it sentimental reasons or is it to remind me of how much I miss the leather gloves when winter comes along? I don't know. I need to work that one out hopefully by next winter. And the realization as well that uh, you know, I love the um, you know, I love uh, the paranormal shows. And you know, I mentioned a situation with the Howard Hughes show uh, during the week, which was actually quite unpleasant. That's on one of the patron shows, but. You know, I was talking about I've got no real interest in space, which uh, he talks about a lot in his show. And I was trying to think about why have I got no interest in space? There we go, speaking to the mic, Project. And maybe I was thinking, maybe I have no interest in space because, look, I don't even travel within my own planet. I haven't had a holiday for 15 years even when I was younger, I went 11 years without a holiday. It's just something that I inherited from my dad. Job instability and a dislike for holidays. I need to work. I need to keep busy. I need routine. What I don't need is holidays, particularly beach holidays. I don't mind traveling if it's a one-way ticket and I'm going somewhere and I'm just going to try and meet that challenge of living in a completely different place and culture head on because I'm a, you know, I've always been fascinated by that because that is what my parents did. That's what my aunt and uncle have done, albeit with limited success. If you uh, analyse the fact that my aunt has uh, uh, maybe nailed down fifty-one words of English in fifty-seven years in this country that she so loves, you know, hopefully I'd have had a bit more success than her on that front if I'd uh, gone to live abroad. Yeah, I'm not a holiday guy. You know, you can, you know, when people tell me I've been to this and that, oh, we had a lovely time over here, and not, it's not that I'm not interested. It's just I'm, I'm not envious. Uh, It doesn't get me thinking. Oh, I wish I'd done that. I just don't like it. I don't like the whole packing experience. I don't like uh, the airport experience. I don't like coming back and finding mail waiting for your bills. Although these days, I suppose, it's been so long since I've done this. Although these days, I suppose that there might be no escaping from that. If you were checking your email on holiday, a lot of those bills come through electronically, don't they? So maybe that's dread that anxiety of returning to a full physical mailbox that is no longer a, a situation that most of us would have to deal with if it was something that uh, that bothered you let me give you a book i wasn't going to read this yet and i haven't started reading it where is it there we go uh, i bought this with the last bit of my birthday money most of the birthday money went on mousetraps that uh that sums up my life as i said Uh, In recent shows, Uh, this is another another of those uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, prestige books. It's called Masters of Lies by Philip Purser Hallard. And you can bet as I'm now part of the uh, Titan Books proofreaders pool, because I'm so good at spotting proofreading issues, got the post-it notes. Once I see these, I'll be getting in touch with their editor to remind them just how good I am. Uh, or anal depending on your viewpoint at spotting errors in books and the reason I might bring this book forward and read it is because I'm reading a book of short stories at the moment the the, the ones I told you about uh, I won't go into that That that's mentioned on the uh, patron book short stories um, I'm not a short story guy which is unusual given that I wrote a book of short stories uh, back in 2016 uh, that uh, just still has the uh, 14 reviews what a disaster that was. What a waste of time that was. So uh, I'm reading this. I, well, I'm going to read this tonight, maybe, just to try and uh, commit to something that's going to hold my attention. And here's the blurb for it. It is 1898, and Sherlock Holmes is being drawn into a world of conspiracy and subterfuge. I'm actually topless. I'm not only, I not only—I forgot to say I'm, I'm, I've got my slippers on, but I still haven't jumped in the shower after the run. I've got to dump some stuff outside uh, getting rid of some stuff. Going to leave some stuff outside that maybe people will want to take as as they walk past the uh, building. Then I'm going to jump in the shower, but I haven't put a top on, uh, just in case you're thinking this is sounding a bit uh, echoey. I don't know. Maybe the words are bouncing off the mic and bouncing on, you know, onto the chest and back. I don't know. The acoustics might sound weird. And of course, I've got the slippers, which I've already, uh, you know, given full disclosure on. Uh, It is 1898 and Sherlock Holmes is being drawn into a world of conspiracy and subterfuge. Actually, let me just say here on on the aunt thing uh, and her underwear. uh, You know, as as I uh, mentioned on this uh, extensive uh, social media post today, I'm disappointed that You know, my uncle, this is not a problem for him. Me, another man taking his wife of 57 years in August, underwear shopping. There's no jealousy on his part. He just welcomes the opportunity to have a nap. That's what it is to him. And, you know, muggins here has to go all the way to Tooting Broadway. And because, you know, she's on a walking stick. So it's going to be like, you know, hand-to-hand fighting. I can't just... Wait for her somewhere. I'm going to have to be there. that That's the problem with this. I'm going to have to be there, you know, as she's looking at the underwear, you know, and, and, and do people her age, is there a certain type of underwear that she needs? I don't know. I'm going to see too much. You know, recently she disclosed that uh, she has uh, some blemish near her private parts. My uncle and I were very unimpressed. And although, you know, being one for dermatology, I have to say in subsequent days, I've been questioning, not her, but just wondering myself out of curiosity, is that a blemish since childhood or is it a late in life, you know, what they call a senile uh, nevus, uh, a a solar lentigo? Is it one of those, uh, you know, age spots that just uh, happen to uh, appear there? I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to asking her at some point. Uh, I may as well. It's just uh, probably uh, the natural extension of the underwear trip. Uh, she said, we'll go for a coffee afterwards. I don't think that's going to help me forget the uh, trauma of what I'm about to undergo. How did this How did this become my life? How, how did this become my life? Who else is doing this? This is why I should have left London. She's always telling me, you need to meet someone, you need to settle down. Well, I don't think I'm going to meet someone walking around with an 83-year-old woman in the underwear section of... Uh, Primark, two it in Broadway. It's not going to happen there. I can tell you that. Then we got to go, uh, got to take it to the her uh, favourite fishmongers as well. Okay, let me get to the book. Uh, Sherlock Holmes, Masters of Lies, Philip Purser, Hallard, double barrel. Don't like the double-barreled names. Spanish, no double-barrel. Two names, no double-barrel. Holmes and Watson... No, it is 1898, and Sherlock Holmes is being drawn into a world of of, uh, can't speak tonight, man, can't speak. It's the mice. It is 1898, and Sherlock Holmes is being drawn into a world of conspiracy and subterfuge. Holmes and Watson are called in to investigate the apparent suicide of a senior civil servant. You know, it's actually uh, it's uh, 1941. Uh, Just just a quick one on the mice. It's certainly they start to come out late at night. That's when I see them. I think. And then, so it could be a long night tonight. Holmes and Watson are called in to investigate the apparent suicide of a senior civil servant only to discover murder and a spiralling conspiracy of deceit. What began as a favour to shore up national security rapidly becomes something far more sinister, a conflict with a murderous forgery ring which may have ties to the very heart of the British establishment. As the truth becomes only more uncertain and the web of blackmail, threats and violence draws around them, Holmes and Watson are forced to consider who they can really trust." Looking forward to that later Hard Swallow 1942 hours. Uh, Star Wars football game uh, tonight. There was a long, long break last night's game as I try to work out what I was going to do with the traps. I'll give you a couple of results. Uh, I think the patrons supporters might have... Uh, no, actually, I don't think they got either of the Champions League game results. Uh, Champions League Week 3, Alderaan in uh, top place in Group 2. They were held uh, to a goal of straw at home to Yavin 4. Yavin 4 Europa League winners last season, beat Death Star in the final 1-0. They're a much stronger team this season since uh, losing. Uh, they they put in a, a very disappointing performance in the European Super Cup against Tatooine, but they've strengthened since then. The problem is they're unbeaten in their group, Uh, but they haven't scored a goal yet. It's just been three nil-nil draws and Endor play this weekend. Endor, who surprisingly lost their first game to Aldron. Aldron, remember, a bottom seed in this group, but they're running away with the group at the moment. They're top now with seven points, but Endor, trying to think who Endor play. Uh, Forgotten, let me just uh, flick through to the draw Oh, Endor plays Zeffo at Zeffo. Zeffo were semi-finalists last season, but they're having a tough time in this season's competition. So it is uh, likely Endor can get back into this. And, uh, well, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they are favourites to win. So that will put them on four points, a point ahead of Yavin 4. So Yavin 4 paying the price for not having a natural goal scorer in their ranks. But they did play well against drawn and fully deserved their point. Uh, Champions League uh, Group 1, Mandelair versus Tatooine last night. This was... One of the great all-time games of the Silver Age uh, last season when Tatooine overcame Mandelaire in the second leg at Sandy Lane with a late winner from Medical Droid after he'd missed a penalty. It was one of the great games probably top two or three games of the Silver Age. You may be looking at uh, well, the greatest game I think has to be the Tatooine-Hoth semi-final second leg of the Christmas Cup back in 2019 but this was a pretty decent game this Champions League tie uh, last season. Not so uh, quite Quite a scrappy game Uh, yesterday. Tatooine turned out uh, 1-0 winners, finished 1-0 winners. A goal from Diaz Pure on six minutes after being set up by uh, ex-wing Luke Manderleste in second place on four points. Now, uh, Bespin tonight. Where am I? Let me find the draw for you. Really should have some post-it notes here so I know where I am. Besbin tonight, they've got uh, two points. They've yet to win in the Champions League, so they're in third place. Tricky situation for them, but they're playing the bottom team. They, they travel to Moz Isley, who uh, historically have disappointed in the Champions League, I think, in their three campaigns. Uh, you would imagine Besbin are going to win this. Realistically, they need to win if they're serious about uh, advancing. As it is, uh, you can't rule out Mandalay yet, but Mandalay definitely not as strong as they were last season. So that's uh, that's uh, <clears throat> uh, tonight's game, no doubt about it. That Star Wars football is being impacted by the situation with the uh, the mice. Uh, let me give you nectar points. Had uh, to buy some mouse traps today. What else? Uh, bought some. Frozen green beans, trying to limit the cooking while there are rodents here. You know, uh, antibacterial wipes, more sugar-free halls uh, lozenges, which I mean, I, I just think I'm addicted to. It's 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 escalated since I've had to cut back on the on the coffee. You know, I'm I'm staying on the decaf, limiting it. I think I've had four today. There'll be a fifth one. I think uh, when I come back in from putting the bins out. Uh, A couple of fair trade bananas, uh, long life milk, imperfectly tasty uh, blackberries. No, blueberries rather. Blackberries. I've got blackberries, but I haven't had them yet. Uh, 444 was my previous points balance. Points earned on £9.36. It's been an expensive day. Um, Earned nine points. New points balance. £4.50. Sorry, 453 points are worth. £2.26 a cafe this morning uh, semi-productive working on the book forgot my highlighter and I needed the highlighter today was all about the highlighter and I'm having this these moments every day where I've picked up the thing that I really need and somehow I forget to take it with me so it was really unproductive there I, I set myself a target of five pages it really should have been double that but I didn't have the highlighter and that just gave me uh, an excuse. Just as the run today, you know, I think one of the things I found difficult about the run this evening was I wore two tops. I wore a thermal undershirt. It was too warm for that because I'd walked, uh, I'd left the flat early this morning, gone on a you know uh, walk to the cafe, and it was pretty fresh for this time of year. I thought it's going to be cold on the run, and it wasn't really. So I was just very uh, uncomfortable on the run, and that gave me the excuse to uh, uh, to just uh, pack it in at three and a half. Uh, Okay, so that's uh, that's the Nectar Points. That's the cafe. Wasn't uh, much going on. Saw Future Me in the cafe yesterday. That was before the uh, North London uh, derby. Uh, let me just check uh, something here. I'm just bringing up Chrome. I normally use Firefox, but I'm just checking something on uh, on Chrome. And uh, yeah, future me. He was um, yeah, he was looking forward to the North London Derby. Haven't seen him uh, since, but I'm sure we'll catch up with him uh, next week. He was looking better because he had been ill, so he was looking better yesterday than he had on Monday. Uh, bad looks, Something I think looks pretty bad at the moment. Uh, well, there's there's two things uh St Andrew's church which is the Methodist church it's the oldest uh, building in Stockwell and that used to when I was a kid used to hold loads of uh, Grenadian free, uh, funerals which Andy the barber when I um interviewed him back in 2015 he mentioned in the two part uh interview I'm just trying to find this uh, thing it's uh I always have to cross now by St Andrew's because it's uh, derelict it's empty and it just mean, uh, means the pigeons have roosted there and it's absolutely filthy you know, it is it's so filthy. It's covered in bird muck. And I'm always worried about walking past there, you know, where there's a strong breeze. And you can feel that stuff blowing because surely, you know, we're going to be breathing that stuff in just as we would with any muck. And, you know, sometimes they're able, well, they are able to prove that we've breathed in particles, say, of, uh, you know, plastics. I think they've been able to prove that we br- we've breathed in particles or if they were able to breathe. Oh, what am I talking about? Why don't I just slow down, slow down, take a moment? Take a moment. You're going to hear the traps at some point. You've got to stay calm. Kill the mouse. Remove the mouse. Slow down. If they could prove that... I'll swallow, 1949. If they could prove that we breathe in particles of dog muck that we see in our streets again more since the pandemic, then I don't think I could continue to live knowing that was inside me. It's one thing functioning with bits of plastic... Inside you, not dog muck. Also, one of the things I've become aware of this year is, you know, on my runs, is how much the park can smell at certain points of animals, a horrendous smell, just animals that have been urinating. It's a, it's a horrendous smell. And it makes me think, well, that's just a park. Imagine the jungle, how much a jungle would stink. I mean, just, just think for a moment how, how smelly a jungle would be. Uh, Okay, so I've checked the Patreon page. I haven't lost any subscribers this week. That might remind the current subscribers to unsubscribe the way things are going. But uh, episodes uh, 388 and 389 are out for Patreon supporters. Uh, First one, episode 388, that was uh, just under 30 minutes long. The second one on Tuesday, there were two episodes on Monday, actually. That's the first time that's happened. So it's been a big week of milestones for this show. Slippers tonight for the first time, and uh, two episodes on Monday. The second Patreon episode, episode 389, that uh, that was 45 minutes. This show's going to be even longer. I'm on 44 minutes now. How about that? I'll swallow. Uh, 1950. So those episodes, uh, they're available via patreon.com forward slash DRT. Available. Unlock or sign up. There And that supports one of the longest running indie shows in the UK that quite frankly does need the support. There are over 70 shows on there that are exclusive to patrons, which I think is a really good deal. Let's face it, it's a small show. It's never going to bring advertising money. This is the only way to uh, at least cover a couple of bills with this show. And uh, I think that the tiers are all priced Reasonably, Those of you who continue to support the show and stick around, uh, I do uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it is important because without that, the show would just uh, cease. Certainly, as I close in on 400 episodes, you can. There is a link at com under latest news. I've put uh, uh, a thing on the two Patreon episodes this week there. So if you make a one-off donation via PayPal, preferably via PayPal rather than coffee.com, you will get those two episodes we transferred to you tonight. So it may be that the patron thing, the long-term commitment isn't for you, but you want to catch up with the hour and a half of content that's gone out to patron supporters this week, episodes 388 and 389 if you want those. Click on the uh, PayPal link at DanielRuersTizen.com under latest news. Just go to latest news, scroll down and you'll see the post and that will get you the files we transferred. You'll have seven days before the download link expires. I've got no control over that A gig last night that I I didn't really enjoy that much. And it's not a gig I'm going to do again, not for a while, because uh, I I just think that I'm, you know, I'm a humble guy. But I, I can see, and it's important to see that I'm too good for certain places that I've been doing. I, I don't need to do those gigs constantly. You know, what I need to do is try and make progress with the gigs, go to the places that are going to be tougher, where the level is going to be higher, where I have to step up. And at the moment, there is a pattern where I'm doing one great gig and then the next night is disappointing. It happened again this week. The gig in Hearn Hill was a really, really enjoyable. Uh, gigs Or a couple of really uh, good acts that I, I, I really uh, enjoyed. Um, you know, I'm a, I like um, Alfie Packham, the MC. He's uh, really good, very confident, young guy, uh, very funny and I've seen him a few times now and the thing at this level is you, you see someone more than once and of course you become familiar with the material but there are plenty of things that you can learn you can watch you can learn you can see how they command the stage and uh, yeah he's, he's, he's a really good one he's a he's good one uh, to watch and I think the best act of the night was this uh, woman, uh, strange mix. She, I think she was from Blackpool, but had spent a lot of time in the States, so she had an American accent. Bronwyn Sweeney, really, really impressive. Good crowd work, very accomplished. Uh, very funny, but just very confident. I really uh, enjoyed uh, watching her. And the following night, then I went to this other gig, and I saw one or two acts again that you think, look, this guy is not going to make it. You know, this guy's not going to make it. So the worry for me is why do I keep ending up on nights where it is clear that certain performers, you know, are not comedians who are not learning, they're not improving. It's not sport for all, like the 80s, you know, when uh, they decided sport should be for everyone and, you know, school football teams with long unbeaten runs were, you know, wrecked by the inclusion of unathletic kids. It's not that. That that shouldn't be what comedy's about. So for me, if you get these nights where they're asking for video links, if these comedians are sending video links, how the hell are they getting these shows? Because I've seen some of them now seven or eight times, and I have to say, and I'm only talking about a small number of them, they're not good. They're just not good. I don't want to be associated with those acts. And, you know, I saw two or three faces last night, and it was like, oh, not again. How have I gone from the night before where the challenge was to make sure I was at the level of the best acts to this? You know, last Friday at uh, Cuddles for Troubles, I felt that the fact that the woman right before me was so good and such an extrovert and had such a fierce set, that helped me. I, You know, I, I was confident, I was ready, but that took me up, I think, another level. You know, there's still plenty of things I've got to work on, but I want to work on those things at the right venues. So I'm starting to drop gigs at the moment. I think now I've got six free nights, which, you know, financially as well, that saves on a lot of travel. I'm coming up to 50 gigs now, which again is nothing. Uh, but I don't want to look back and, you know, I don't want to get to say 100 gigs and say to myself, I've done 100 gigs now, you know, and pat myself on the back. I'm an honest guy. I will know that of those hundred gigs, if I go the way I'm going now, then it might just be you know seventy gigs that were really testing that that I really learned from, and thirty nights is just thirty wasted nights. One night wasted that that that's that that bothers me. So I'm I'm trying to move away from that. So I'm prepared to you know burn a few bridges. I don't mind burning the bridges because I'm confident that I can do this. I you know I, and I think. It's happened. I was chatting to this uh, guy last night who reached the new act of the year finals, and he's a really good act, and you know he's one of the better headliners. Or well, he he isn't actually headlining much now, but it will start happening. But he's better than a lot of the headliners I've seen, so he should just be doing tens minimum now. And um, we were talking about it. We're at a similar stage of our life, and I think I'm surprised that I've made this progress. But I'm also realising. Well, I think I, I, I've got two advantages. You know, there are disadvantages. Uh, disadvantages as well. I, I need to work on plenty of things, and that keeps me motivated. And I'm trying to. That's why I want to do gigs where I'm learning all the time from other performers and also from my own mistakes. But uh, we were talking about this. Why we made this progress? In my case, I've got the writing. That's a huge advantage. But I think at this age, it's because you've lived a life. So I don't believe that you have to do a long apprenticeship at the crap gigs where there's less than 10 people, not at this age, because I think you've lived a life, you've got the material. So it's about finding your confidence, learning your stagecraft, then going on to the next level and then trying to move on to the other level and listening to those people who give you good constructive criticism and trying to implement that into your act. So uh, I'm fine that I've got those six uh, free nights now. And, uh, I'm just going to keep looking at the other nights, any nights that just don't work for me. I'm not, I'm not going to do them. You know, I can't, I can't be doing this. You know, I've got too much crap going on to, to be going out and, uh, just, just for the sake of doing a gig and, you know, getting another number under my belt. That's not what I'm after. I'm after quality over, uh, quantity. You know, it's not sport for all. As I say, I met a very funny guy last night, well, for the second time, a bit of a character refuses to abandon having notes for a gig. And I've told him, look, you know, visually as an audience member, I wouldn't be happy with that. And I, I think he undersells himself. I, I know that he's got plenty of stresses in his life. He works really, really hard. But I think he's uh, good enough if he was ever to make that sacrifice and move on. And he's not a novice. He's been doing this for a long time, but he just refuses to go up you know, to abandon the notes. And, I, you know, I don't necessarily think he knows he needs the notes as much as he thinks he needs the notes. But he's a likeable guy. He's uh, quite a bit older than me. But we hit it off the first time uh, we met up. And uh, he comes across as quite uh, demure and a really nice guy. And I, th- we were traveling back last night. And I can't remember how we got onto this. But it became, he started telling me, he is another, you know, he's another black belt martial artist, very advanced, hasn't done it for a long time, but he trained for seven years under one of the greatest exponents of a particular martial arts. And I started looking at him and I thought, I can kind of see this because he's got quite a wiry frame. He's a builder, so he's very strong. Not the tallest of guys, you know, in keeping with his generation, but he looks, the work he does keeps him really fit and strong. But there's obviously another reason why he's able to do that work at his age, because he's just a seriously hard guy. And we got talking and I thought, well, you know, he should be talking about this in his act, because I was talking about how I'd always been sceptical as to whether martial arts was effective on the street. And then I told him the story of how I'd realized it was when an old friend of mine in Spain, it saved his life in a brutal fight with a guy he had no right to beat. And he started telling me, he was doing that thing where he was saying, there's so many ways I could kill you right now, whatever. And then as we were heading into Trafalgar Square, he was saying, you know, we we were talking, we were at the lights, he said, punch me in the stomach. I'm "I'm not going to punch you in the stomach, you know, I'm not clearly not going to hurt you. Given everything that you've told me, but I said I'll just tap it. Rock hard. It was like touching, touching a brick. It was incredible. He should be implementing this into his act. So it's amazing. You don't really, you know. I just said to him, "Look, this is something that interested me. I've been interested in this conversation with a tweak of your character, because you could easily be interpreted as being a bit of a twat." By acting like this and, and, and boasting about how strong you are and how many different ways you could kill me, but that might work on stage. And he started to see that that might uh, that I might be onto something there. I look forward to seeing him again. He's a uh, he's a uh, he's got some very uh, good gags. I, uh, as I say, I don't think he has enough. Uh, I think he gives himself the excuses. That he, I told him yesterday his notes were too big. They were A4 paper. Get some, at least, if you're going to be going on stage like that, smaller smaller sheets of paper. But personally, would I want to watch an act like that? No, I don't like the acts that write on their hands or have their phones on stage scrolling through and all the notebooks on stage. I don't do that because uh, I, well, one... From the point of view of the audience, I don't think it's great to watch. But for me, given my problems 10 years ago when I was on the uh, circuit uh, previously, and forgive uh, me, uh, any Patreon supporters, if you've heard this on another episode this week, I may have talked about this. I think it would undermine my confidence. It would be a crutch for me. I want to go up there. I'm putting in the hours. Um, I've got to be confident that I can do this. And if I start writing on my hands, I'm going to lose my confidence. So uh, it's not something that... uh, ...that I'm going to do... Uh, ...the guy who was the... ...reached uh, the new act of the year finals... ...he messaged me yesterday... ...he'd seen a clip of my set... ...from last week that he really liked... ...but he suggested a call back on one item... Uh, one, ...one moment of the set... ...that particular clip... ...and I implemented it yesterday... ...not the best place to implement it... ...given that it was largely comics there... ...but it worked and it worked... ...so it's great to just be able to get that... ...feedback from people... ...so suddenly as of yesterday... My act is stronger because of that guy taking the time out to give me that um, that input. Uh, you know, so that it's brilliant. It's brilliant because I'm now at this stage of my life where the introvert isn't quite finished, but, you know, the pandemic, the and alone for 13 months, it kind of changed me. So I'm a bit more talkative. I'm a bit more confident with people and i'm i'm meeting some decent people you know it's 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 enjoyable it's challenging i'm i'm hoping that i can take this all the way just to be a paid stand up that's all i want to do nothing else not interested in the panel shows not interested in that uh, you know uh, live from the Apollo Variety Show nonsense, which I think is rubbish. Uh, you know, uh, as I say to people, just assuming for the for, for for the sake of me saying this that I was good enough. I that that was always a problem for me. I don't like that. I, I just think it's. Uh the way stand-up is represented on television, certainly in this country, has never quite worked for me, not for a long time. I think in the early 90s there were better shows like some of the early Jack D stuff on Channel 4 that more accurately reflected the stand-up uh, you know, in the clubs when it starts getting into big theatres and that. I'm not, you know, Netflix specials. I kind of struggle with that a bit. The Netflix specials, American culture, that works. That's their culture. It's not really us here. We kind of always, we always seem to... Give it a variety type flavor or, uh, you know, Live from the Apollo with the uh, celebrities dotted around and the camera on them. You know, that kind of abs- kind of almost ITV type rubbish, but on the BBC, uh, that's that for me, that's not stand up. That's not the kind of thing I'm interested in. So... Uh, let me give you, I'm doing a really big gig for me, really important one on Sunday. So tomorrow I'm going to be rehearsing a lot. Um confident. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm going to tell you where it is. It's a whole lot of comedy. I'm going to give you the details and I've plugged it on social media and will continue to plug it during the week. It's at uh, the Britannia uh, Smoked Venue, 44 Kipling Street, SE1 3RU. Whole lot of uh, whole lot of comedy. Uh, MC is Elaine uh, Blackmore. The doors open at 6:30 for a 7:30 start. Should have gone for the uh, 24-hour clock consistency there. Door entry five pounds. I'm doing 10 minutes there. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate these guys giving me the opportunity, and this is what I mean about meeting uh, you know good people, getting to know them, and and trying to. Show them that you know that you're committed and you want to learn you know, and you're ready to do this. You're ready to make uh, the sacrifices. You're ready to appreciate the opportunities that they give you. So that's uh, Sunday, 15th of May, a 10-spot whole lot of comedy. The Britannia Smoked, that's the venue. I think it's London Bridge stroke Borough Way, 44 Kipling Street, SE1, 3RU, door 630, uh, 730, start £5 on the door. I am looking forward to it. one more plug. I said I'd do this a few weeks ago. Now I've I've lost it. Right, let me just uh, go back. Here we go. Uh, Anthony Chapman, Ant Chapman. I checked with him a few months ago that I wasn't being over-familiar by going with the Ant moniker that he uses and uh, he green uh, greenlit me for that. And I said that when I did a regular episode, I would plug his uh, new album, which came out... Uh, a week ago, it's been out for a week now, or at least uh, this post is a week old. It's a six-track album. Uh, it's called Lunchtimes. Uh, it's out now. It's uh, Bandcamp. Uh, you can find it on Bandcamp uh, in Ant's words. It's an album of uh, it's an hour of woozy ambience with lots of tape flavored textures, perfect for relaxed listening at home or using as a bed for stream stroke YouTube videos. And let me see if there's a link that I can give you, a a friendly link. If you go to... uh, Well, I'll I'll stick the link up at some point. Or just message... Follow... Here we go. Let me give you... Follow Ant Chapman Audio on Twitter. Ant Chapman Audio. Or follow him on his uh, Facebook page which is scissor kicks and he's on instagram as well and if you can't find the album ask him but it's uh called Lunchtimes, times and it's been out i think for the best part of a week or longer six track album we like to support uh good work on the show he said using the we when this is uh, just a one-man operation and that is it that's a that's another long show uh i've still got to put the rubbish out gonna put this uh very old hoover out last time i put a hoover out vacuum cleaner to give uh hoover of course was the brand name that uh vacuum cleaners always became associated with i just put the old vacuum cleaner out there was a woman across the road and she came she walked right across the road to the building said why are you leaving it out i said well i've got a new one that's friendlier for the floors you can take this one nothing wrong with it and there wasn't nothing wrong with it so uh, it's nice when uh, stuff gets uh, recycled and that is it that is the end of this week's fourth show don't forget you can uh, you can get the uh, patron exclusive episodes episodes 388389 visit danielruisthysen.com forward slash latest news. Scroll down, you'll find them on there. One-off donation gets you those episodes, or you can just sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available. That might just be easier. Now it is time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. This end of the week, I have been very available.